St. Leo 360, a 360 degree overview of the St. Leo University community. Welcome to another edition of the St. Leo 360 podcast. Uh, my name's Greg Lindbergh, and uh, today it's uh, my pleasure to be joined by Frank Orlando, who is an instructor of political science here at St. Leo. Frank, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Greg. Uh, I am excited to be here. Absolutely. We're glad to have you. Uh, so I just have several questions for you here about, uh, you know, your background and also, you know, what you've done for St. Leo and the time you've been here. Uh, so first off, talk to me about how you got interested in politics and political science originally. It's a long story, but I, I guess we have some time. Sure. So I was uh, someone that growing up was always interested in uh, geography, history, and then eventually politics. Um, the 2000 election between uh, George W. Bush and Al Gore was really something I paid a lot of attention to back in high school. And I, uh, I remember just being fixated and uh, very excited about learning everything I could about that campaign. And it was something that, um, you know, I, I, I just spent hours a day watching cable television <laughs> and uh you know back then going on whatever websites were talking about the election uh there's obviously not a lot of social media back then uh i can only imagine now uh what would happen if that were the case uh but yeah i i really got very invested in it and it wasn't necessarily so much um about how much i uh, cared about the policies, although obviously that's important. I was just really interested in the uh, the competition aspect of it, the 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 campaign, the strategy. Uh, that was what really uh, captivated my attention, and uh, I spent a great deal of time learning about. Uh, a after the election, I remember I had a, a road atlas, and, w and I bought an almanac or I got an almanac for Christmas that had all the presidential results by county. And I remember I um, shaded in every county in this road atlas based on who won each county and by how many votes. Um, and I just really thought that was cool. And I, I mean, I understand now when I tell this to students, they don't think it's very cool, but <laughs> um, to me it was, and I, I really enjoyed it. And, um, I was always interested in politics after that, both in terms of policies, but also, like I said, in terms of the strategy, in terms of the, the game aspects, in terms of the, the, the struggle for uh, control of government. And uh, so I, that, that's really what put me on that track. Um, uh, when I went to Michigan State for undergrad, I started as a political science major. Um, I think I, I, well, I know I did. I added geography as, a, as another major uh, because I love geography as well. Hmm. Um, and I stuck with those things. At first, I was interested in maybe going to law school and becoming someone that uh, did politics uh, that would run for office one day. And then I, uh, I don't know, towards the end of my time at Michigan State, I had done a lot of uh, 
extracurricular activities where I was uh, leading groups or leading student organizations. And uh, I was kind of maybe burned out from being in those types of leadership roles. I still enjoyed politics, but I thought, uh, maybe I don't want to do politics. I want to study it and research it and, and teach it. And so that's why I decided instead of going to law school to go to graduate school. So that's what led me to Duke, um, where I uh, went for American politics. I got to study with a lot of really smart people and um, study Congress, study the president, study campaigns, study elections. And um, yeah, so I got my master's there and I applied for a position here and that's how I ended up here. <laughs> wow, that's and I gotta say those are two pretty prestigious schools. So, congratulations. Thanks, Craig. And I'm curious, you know, did you really think early on that you wanted to pursue teaching, or when did you kind of know that that was something that was of interest to you? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I guess maybe since I was a little kid, I've liked teaching, hmm. um, because I was the oldest child. And I was the oldest grandkid of all of my cousins. So I feel like uh, I was always trying to teach and I always uh, enjoyed doing this, whether it be about stupid stuff (laughs) (laughs) or about sports or about uh, really whatever. I I just enjoyed doing it. Um, I don't know if it made me feel good or maybe it made me feel smart that I could teach someone uh, when I was a little kid, but it did make me feel good when uh, my sisters or my cousins, uh, you know, learned based on on what I taught them. And I think that's probably one of the the things that got me started on that path. And uh, yeah, I've I've never stopped teaching and um, I, I think that's probably what got me going there. I see, that's interesting. Now, talk to me about your teaching style. How would you describe, you know, the approach that you take to your classes, whether it be in a traditional classroom or online? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so great question. Uh, everybody has a different teaching style, and I think it depends on what their strengths are. For me, I think that one of the things that I try to do well is to stay as current, as up-to-date as possible. Um I have a little bit of an advantage in that, not that I'm, you know, the same age as as the students, but uh, I'm not too far away. Right. And I feel like um, I can make the lessons, the concepts, the things that I want to get across come alive to the students based on making comparisons, making... uh, uh, analogies between things that they're interested in and things that uh, happen in the political world. And so I try to make what I teach accessible to them in that way. Uh, I try very hard to do that. Uh, I'm always, and, and, and with a discipline like political science, this isn't a situation where you make the slides and then the next time you teach the class, it's the same. And you make a lecture and the next time you teach the class, it's the same. It's really always evolving, always expanding, always changing. There are always new examples you can use. So staying current, making sure that I uh, give the students something to latch onto that's current, that hooks them, is very important. 
uh, in terms of the style, and th- that's true both on ground and online, you know, in terms of discussion questions that I want students to get involved with. These are things that I'm always updating to new and current events. Um, I'm always interested in students staying engaged in politics and informed. I don't want it just to be theoretical. I want it to be something that they can think about practically and how they would carry out and and what the theories we're talking about in class mean for politics. I see. That is interesting. Now talk to me about, uh, you know, your perspective as an instructor here at St. Leo. Mm -hmm. I know we really pride ourselves on that, you know, the one-on-one faculty-to-student approach and just the accessibility of our faculty. How would you describe that from your vantage point? Well, I think we're very accessible. (laughs) (laughs) I think that the amount of time that our faculty spends meeting with students, working with students, helping students achieve what they need to achieve is off the charts. We, in terms of my office and all the offices around mine, we're always up there. We're always uh, there wanting to work with students. We're in the classroom, we're in office hours, we are working with student groups, we are going to sporting events. Uh, you, You get an amazing amount of one-on-one attention here and a lot of schools and universities I think that I've been at in the past if you're not teaching or you're not in the few office hours you're mandated to keep a lot of these faculty members are nowhere near their office and they're out of sight out of mind and they're sometimes difficult to reach that's never been the case here at St. Leo and I remember uh, when I was first applying for this job um, Heather Parker, who's now the, or who's, uh, was at the time my uh, chair of the Department of Social Sciences, she said that you'll never, uh, you know, be at a job where you work harder than this job. And mm. I was like, okay, well, how hard can it be? You know, but <laughs> we work really hard. Uh, yeah. And most of that is, like I said, working with students. Yeah, we work hard, but at the end of the day, I think most faculty and the reason why we like it here and we want to stay here is because we feel fulfilled um, from helping students achieve their goals and giving them the attention that they need, the attention that maybe sometimes they don't know they need to to get them to where they need to be. So uh, yeah, I have great relationships with my students in trying to get them to law school, get them to graduate school, get them great jobs and politics or whatever field they're interested in after they leave and we've been very successful um we have political science students at the top law schools in the country i have a political science student right now at at duke we have students working um in the state legislature wow that that you know just graduated last spring they're already working in the state legislature we've got students at great grad school programs in political science and public policy and public administration. So I think the fact that we're there, we're, we are their biggest advocates, helps to push them and uh, gets them to where they want to be and where we want them to be. Right. Very well said. 
Uh, now, I know you do teach in our bachelor's program here in political science. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you could just talk about that curriculum, kind of what uh, what are some of the key classes or topics covered in that curriculum? Great question. Thanks for letting me do a little plug, I guess, for political science. <laughs> uh, it is a really nice program that is focused on trying to obviously teach important concepts in political science. We want them to understand the theories. We want them to understand how the political world works. But we want to give them a lot of skills to take those things and and apply them in whatever they're interested in doing. Like I said, we have probably about uh, a third or more of our students go on to law school. Uh, Maybe a quarter to a third go on to graduate school and the rest go into the working world, whether it be in politics or whether sometimes it's into teaching, sometimes it's into law enforcement. Hmm. The important thing is that we want, like I said, to teach the, the things that are important in terms of content, but give the skills. And those skills include communication. The skills include the ability to do research. The skills include the ability to uh, present ideas, complex ideas, to think strategically about how the world works, and to think about the world from an international perspective, to understand um, complex theoretical arguments from authors that wrote 3,000 years ago, and to be able to apply those things to the political realm, uh, things that just happened yesterday. So, yeah, we we really focus on skills. there are different tracks that you can study. Um, mo- so we have some students that study uh, American politics and government, uh, institutions, uh, Congress, the president, campaigns, elections, the media and politics, uh, public opinion. Those types of things are things that I teach. But we've got other faculty that teach. There, There's a political theory and constitutional law track for a lot of students that are interested in going on to law school. There's an international relations and comparative government track for students that are interested in working in uh, different embassies or the State Department, right? So a lot of different things, but all of our majors have the content knowledge, but they also have the skills. Right. It sounds like quite a variety of tracks, options. Yes, and it's a very flexible major. Yeah. So we... Uh, our major is flexible enough in terms of size that you can double major. And we have a lot of students who end up double majoring. Uh, hmm. Political science and history is very popular. Political science and econ is, is popular. Um, we have political science and religion. We have political science and psychology. Uh, all double majors. Political science and criminal justice is a huge one. Wow. So we've got that. Um, and we also are flexible in terms of the... We are... Political science is one of the majors that is a part of our 3 plus 3 program. So this is a situation where students that want to go to law school, we have agreements with both Florida State and um, one other school right now. Uh, And that means students can come to St. Leo for three years, and we can uh, do all of your major classes, all of your required classes. Your fourth year you go to law school and your first year in law school counts as the rest of your elective credits at St. Leo. Hmm. So you're able to 
basically do your undergraduate in three years, do your law school in three years, and be hopefully finished with law school within six years of graduating high school. So uh, this has been a very popular, popular program so far with a lot of students really interested in it. Yeah, that's a really great track that I'm sure is attractive to a lot of people. That's that's nice. Uh, as far as the polling institute, uh, this is something I definitely wanted to ask you about. Mm -hmm. I know this is something we've had several years now here at St. Leo, and if you could just describe, uh, you know, how this polling institute, uh, you know, came to fruition, and and you know, some examples of different polls that have been conducted over the years. Uh, the polling institute is about as old as I am at St. Leo. Uh, so when I first got to campus, I remember uh, both my department chair and my dean, uh, Heather Parker and Dean Sp Mary Spoto, talked to me about this new committee that I was going to be on. <laughs> and I was <laughs> like, okay, sure, but where do you want me to go? Right. And it was uh, the polling institute. So the first meeting I went to for this polling institute was the kickoff meeting. Hmm. It it was uh, in the fall of 13. And uh, this was an initiative led by President Kirk to start a polling institute to raise the profile of, of St. Leo as an institution. Uh, I originally, I served as um, the political expert on the polling committee. And eventually, a few years ago, I became the, the director of the polling institute hmm. and uh it has been a really big bonus for the university it has uh really raised the profile of the school by getting our name out there uh, to all sorts of different media outlets that report on our results it has made sure that a lot of our faculty members that serve as experts that help draft the questions and, and analyze the results They've been much more visible on local radio and TV, state lo radio and TV, and even national and international. Wow. Um, radio, TV, press, um, print. So it is uh, an investment that we've made as a school. St. Leo kind of led the way in, in becoming one of the first universities in Florida to have a polling institute. This is a very important state for politics, as you know, most of the listeners will agree. And we feel like Floridians and St. Leo should be the people asking about what Floridians think about politics because we are here. We also ask questions about um, religion, the church, the Pope. We ask questions about education, technology, the environment, criminal justice. Uh, so we run the gamut. Uh, every poll usually has a political element and a couple other things, but uh, we are very interested in, in studying, analyzing this data, then putting those results out there to put St. Leo on the map. Yeah, that's it's a wonderful program, and like you said, it really you know, kind of can help St. Leo make a name for itself out there in, in the media and as an authoritative source. So that's it's a wonderful initiative. 
And I did want to mention that uh, you can learn more about the Polling Institute on our website. It's polls.saintleo.edu. So that's P-O-L-L-S dot S-A-I-N-T-L-E-O dot E-D-U. And you can also follow the Institute on Twitter at St. Leo Polls. So that's at S-A-I-N-T-L-E-O-P-O-L-L-S. Yeah, we gave it a very pretty simple name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <make> it <laughs> Not easy. a crazy URL to find, <laughs> for sure. Right. Yep, that helps. Uh, speaking of social media, I know you have done some research and uh, mm-hmm. some work as far as just, you know, finding out how social media affects individuals. And I'm curious if you could just talk about your, you know, your take on social media in general in our society and then also maybe how it's related to politics and elections. Well, it's always changing. So um, I remember when me and a couple other of uh, graduate students uh, at Duke were interested in studying this when when Twitter was new and when... (laughs) You know, it seems like such a long time ago. It almost seems as though you can't even hardly imagine a time before that, right? Yeah. Uh, But we were interested in these questions, and we did some research um, on um, how people act on on Twitter, how uh, you can analyze uh, the text from Twitter, and how people... Uh, behave in terms of partisanship on Twitter and and different social forms of social media, and I think what we're finding is that it's always evolving. Uh, Twitter and Facebook are becoming more political in different ways, especially with the rise of misinformation, the rise of uh, uh, other foreign agents being interested in uh, spreading false information on Twitter. Uh, all of these sorts of different uh, debates, all of these uh, different issues really uh, center on social media and the way we can spread information. So in terms of politics, there was a time when no candidates had a Facebook account or a Twitter account. Now, this is the best way for uh, people to reach their voters, for people to reach their constituents for people to get their message out uh, the president uh, uses Twitter more often than he has press conferences and uh, it definitely moves the news cycle so what does that mean for politics well we're we're always parsing that out we're always trying to figure that out has it led to more polarization uh, there's some evidence that that's the case has it led to people uh, only searching and seeking out information that reconfirms what they believe has it put people in informational silos? Yeah, there's some evidence of that. Um, has it coarsened the political discourse? Yeah, probably some evidence of that too. Um, but it's also dependent on the platform. Uh, Twitter is different than Facebook, is different than Instagram. So uh, we talk about that in both my public opinion class and my media and politics class uh, hmm. pretty much every spring. So. Uh, these are questions we're always working on, and these are answers to these questions that are always evolving. Right. Well said. Uh, now, I know you've also, uh, you do have some published works out there, and you've done, you know, a fair amount of research. Is mm-hmm. there anything that really maybe is, is kind of a high point for you that you've done so far that you've really enjoyed on that front? I don't know what, what my 
favorite stuff <laughs> is, but um, probably uh, maybe just some of the early stuff I did with about um, most people won't be too excited about it, but about procedural uh, changes and reforms in the Senate. <laughs> Maybe not the most exciting, but it was exciting and fun to research for me because I really enjoy institutional stuff. Uh, but obviously a lot of the stuff I've done on polling now is is more fun for people to, to look at and to analyze it. But for me, I, I prefer maybe the institutional stuff, so. Gotcha, okay. And then uh, to wrap up here, um, I did want to mention that uh, you actually appeared on Jeopardy uh, in early 2019, and I know uh, there was a watch party on campus, and definitely a lot of buzz, and I know myself included as a big game show fan, I thought it was such a neat thing uh, to see, you know, one of the members of the St. Leo community on that show. Uh, If you could just describe that experience and then what you kind of walked away with from that. Oh, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was, I mean, as someone who always had watched Jeopardy growing up, as someone that always wanted to be on that show, uh, I would have, you know, I, I tried out every year to be on the show. And my goal, I guess, was to be on the show before Alex Trebek retired. So I made it. And um, so I really was uh, almost... Um, you know, dumbfounded by how much support that people gave me um, for being on the show. As soon as I, you know, announced that I was going to be on there, it was after I'd already filmed the show because they kind of want you to keep things under wraps for a while. Right. Um, the outpouring of support was amazing uh, from around the St. Leo community. Um, the, the most difficult thing about the experience was not telling people how I did <laughs> before the episode aired. Yeah. That was uh, difficult because, you know, um, a lot of, so many people supported and said, yeah, you're going to do it. You're going to win. I was like, well, you know, I've already taped it, but I can't tell you how I did. <laughs> so in the back of my head, I'm like, uh, I'm going to disappoint you. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, it was a lot of fun. Obviously, I mean, I, I felt like I knew a lot of the answers and um, the buzzer timing was tough for me, uh, but I really don't care. I don't feel bad for myself. I always wanted to be on the show. It was really hard to get on the show and I finally did it. Um, what people on, you know, uh, the haters on Twitter said, notwithstanding, it was, uh, you know, a lot of fun. And uh, I mean, most people afterwards didn't drop me as their friend they said wow that was really cool yeah. and uh so that that was that was just great uh to be on a show like jeopardy a show that that's yeah, no frills it's just questions and answers and answers and questions um doesn't matter who you are where you're from or how old you are or what your background is uh, it's the same for everyone and uh it can bring a lot of people together and I'm really proud to have been on that show and to just played my part in it. Yeah, definitely, you know, very exciting for all of us and I'm sure for you and your family and very cool thing to say that, you know, that you've done. All right, well, I really appreciate your time, Frank. Uh, you've given some great insight, you know, into your background, the programs here, everything you're involved in. And uh, we certainly appreciate uh, you being on the St. Leo 360 podcast. Thanks a lot, Greg. 
To hear more episodes of the St. Leo 360 podcast, visit stleo.edu forward slash podcast. To learn more about St. Leo's programs and services, call 877-622-2009 or visit stleo.edu.